Greetings, rabble-rousers. My name is Jessa McLean. Welcome to Blueprints for Disruption, a weekly discussion dedicated to amplifying activism across Turtle Island. Together, we will examine tactics, explore motivations, and celebrate successes in disrupting the status quo. This podcast is a proud part of New Left Media. Welcome, listeners. If you haven't started paying attention to local politics, you might just want to start now. This episode of Blueprints of Disruption is centered on municipal politics. We've got elections coming up if you're living in Ontario, BC, Manitoba, or Prince Edward Island, and there are a lot of people working hard to make those votes count. These upcoming races certainly won't get the same exposure provincial and federal campaigns do. Let's be honest, it's often hard to even find out who's running in your ward or for your city council. But our next guest, Sam Hirsch, is busy working with his team at Horizons Ottawa to put the spotlight back on local politics, and for good reasons. We've talked here on Blueprints many times of the barriers that exist in electoral politics. And we're not saying that municipal politics is without its issues. You know, we'll get into that in our discussion with Sam, but it still remains a far more accessible avenue of politics um, that is become far more successful for independent people to run in. During the episode, Sam will describe what exactly the people at Horizons Ottawa are doing to reshape municipal politics. They're looking to make something that's far more democratic, more accessible, and most importantly, more progressive. Good morning, Sam. Thank you for joining us. Uh, can you introduce yourself for the listeners? Sure, yeah, happy to be joining you this morning. Um, and my name is Sam uh, Hirsch. I am, uh, I guess, an organizer here in, in the city of Ottawa. Um, I am the um, on the board of directors for Horizon Ottawa and the coordinator uh, for the organization and, uh, and have been living in Ottawa for the past uh, almost six years now in Ontario. So. I... We've talked before about some of your anti-convoy organizing and, and just briefly touched on the work that Horizon Ottawa has done, but I really wanted you to be able to dive deeper into that work. Uh, you guys look like you're really busy with the upcoming municipal elections. Can you give us an idea of, let's start at the beginning, you know, how did Horizon Ottawa begin? What was this impetus to start something like this? I think... Um... A lot of uh, people um, thought that there was a sort of um, uh, a gap in uh, organizing, like progressive organizing at the municipal level in, in the city, and there was a need, there was a void rather to be filled by an organization or uh, that that could do this work. Um, and I think that that's where the the impetus came from. Uh, a lot of us, uh, you know, some of us were um, involved in the 2018 municipal election. And we saw that, you know, I think as leftists, um, <clears throat> a lot of the way that we campaign, because we know that um, we're not the status quo, right? It, it's a lot harder for, for leftists to get elected. So I think how we really campaign is like grassroots campaigns, knocking on a lot of doors, um, you know, and speaking people to people face to face. And when it comes to, you know, liberals or conservatives, not saying that they don't knock on doors, but it's, it's just different different type of campaigning, I think. Um, so, uh, and that's where leftists really excel. And at the municipal level, um, at the local level, it's really possible to win in that way. It's possible to, you know, you actually can, you know, knocking on doors and being on the ground really makes a lot more of a difference. Not saying that it doesn't make a difference in the provincial and federal scene, but it's a lot harder to, to influence, um, you know, the electoral result through, um, on the ground efforts, uh, because, uh, you know, it's much more further removed from from on the ground stuff. So we were like, you know, it's really possible for and and it's it's also a sphere I think of electoral politics that the left has ignored for a long time, um, and and it's how conservatives that gain power at the local level I think uh, to a to a really effective degree. So we were like, you know what, we really need to start organizing on the left at the at the local level, and that's sort of um, really how it, how it, how it, the idea sort of came about. Because I think. Maybe viewer or listeners don't need reminding, but you know there is no partisanship, so to speak, 
in municipal politics. So politicians don't have the backing as much as we complain about the NDP sometimes on this show. Uh, without that machinery behind you, it, it does become a lot more daunting of a task to do um, especially if it's localized, right? You won't even have that wider riding support or, you know, so definitely can see that there was a void there. Do you almost take the place of a party? Like what what makes Horizon Ottawa different than, you know, saying you've essentially got a party of candidates? Yeah, and I think that's like a <clears throat> fair point. And I think we, we, we try to make it, at, you know, and on a personal level, honestly, I'm, I'm, I'm from Montreal originally, where there's, um, in Quebec, there are municipal political parties. Um, like, so like Proche de Montréal, I'm from Montreal. Um, not, maybe not the most progressive, um, but like, you know, it's the center left, uh, center um, party in, um, in Montreal. Um, and, you know, they've arguably done much better things than um, the previous administration under Denis Coderre. Um, but, you know, I'm not opposed to municipal political parties. I think that, at, you know, I, I think a lot of people's views of political parties are sullied because of um, the federal and provincial level and, and, par and party discipline. And I think that's a really toxic and can be a really toxic thing. But I do think at the, at the base of it, like a party is uh, a group of people coming together, coming together to collectively, you know, pursue a common goal. And I think that's noble and good. And, and I, I, I think... Um, you know, when we speak about nonpartisanship, a lot of the time, a lot of what that often veers towards is as li being a, li a liberal, right? Like liberalism, right? The status quo. So I think that nonpartisanship. I'm neither right or left, right? Yeah, exactly. So I, I and we see, and we see that, yeah, and we see that in, in places like in, in in BC where there are also municipal political parties. The only two jurisdictions are Quebec and, and BC where we have. Um, the municipal, I guess they're called like electors organizations in BC, but we have the nonpartisan alliance in, in, in I think in, in Vancouver, where in that, and the nonpartisan alliance in Vancouver is a, a centrist, center-right municipal political party. So anyways, sorry to be hearing off topic, but I think it's important to, because a lot of people are like, oh, political parties, the municipal level, blah, blah, blah. but I think there, there's a case for it. But anyways, um, like you say, I, I think also not having political parties though at the municipal level makes it a lot easier for people who are independent, who are independents, people who who don't have that backing to actually um, make uh, a stand and, and and like have a chance at winning against some you know more powerful people who might have a machine behind them, right? Because we know that uh, conservatives, liberals, etc., are backing municipal candidates in different wards, despite it. We say that it's nonpartisan, but I mean, you know. Like there, there's a lot of partisanry that 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 comes in the backing of some candidates, um, and also at, in if Ottawa. Consider developers a party. <laughs> yeah, and in, in Ottawa, I mean, we know that <clears throat> in the Ottawa context, at least, that there's the there was a Jim Watson party, right? Basically, for the past ten years, uh, every single person all the time, uh, if they were loyal to Jim Watson, they they sided with him all the time. So, I mean, we could say as much as we want that there aren't. It's not really partisan, but there is that sort of taking sides. Um, but, but yeah, so, I mean, we, we aim to, we're not, we're not necessarily a partisan organization. We don't act as a political party, but we do, uh, or, or anything like that. We're just an advocacy organization that's trying to push for, um, you know, progressive issues and also for progressives to get elected in, in, in Ottawa. And the way that we, <clears throat> we want to do that is through, you know, helping people, um, sort of build up the infrastructure that they need on a volunteer basis and like help with volunteers and things like that. And a lot of us who are involved have um, uh, experience organizing in electoral politics and outside electoral politics um, and want to use those skills to to help build up those those people, build up those like, those campaigns so that the left actually has, um, you know, uh, a fighting chance in this uh, this municipal election and municipal elections to come and also outside of municipal elections, as, as you as you reference, because uh, a, a big part of our goal is to, as I've said, before had to bridge the gap between electoral politics and movement-based politics. And uh, I think a lot of us, like you reference in the NDP, have tried to do that for a long time um, to great um, uh, frustration. But it's something that we've really tried to do here in uh, Verizon Ottawa, for sure. Why is the focus on the municipal so important? And as I'm scrolling through your feed um, on Twitter, Horizon Ottawa and, and your website, you guys talk about a lot of issues, issues that 
could be seen as even federal or provincial level issues, but but obviously have a place in municipal politics, right? Transit, COVID protections, dem- democratic reforms. So why, but obviously a lot of your energy is really spent on the local. Why is that so, such an important place to uh, apply your energy and, and, and put pressure? Yeah, you know, I do think it's important to um, get involved in different levels of government for sure. But I, I do think that if we look at the past two years, um, or almost three years now since uh, the pandemic began. Um, you know, especially if we look to the U.S. Um, and other places, like where is power being won by the left? Mostly at the local level, um, <clears throat> right? And, 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 and you know, it's, it's much more difficult within the entrenched party system and that we have uh, at the federal and provincial level and in the U.S. at the uh, state, you know, state and federal level or whatever to, to win. So. We've seen a lot of um, <clears throat> breakthroughs um, from like the DSA in, in, at the local level in the U.S. Um, <clears throat> and then on, a, on another even bigger scale uh, around the world, um, especially in Europe, um, and sort of where we really got uh, a lot of inspiration bar- in Barcelona. Barcelona and Komu um, is the, and they are also allowed to have municipal sort of political parties there too in Barcelona, but so they, but um, still Barcelona and Komu, they, you know, it was a, it was a, a citizen-led platform, and um, <clears throat> now the mayor, Ada Kalau, who's been mayor for two terms now, uh, was a former uh, activist uh, who used to occupy banks and who's now been the mayor of Barcelona for um, <clears throat> almost, uh, yeah, so to, over two terms now. So a um, lot of successes there, and I see like that's where the left is really making gains um, around the world. Uh, obviously, there's other cases to be made now in Latin America where a lot of left-wing... Uh, center left people are getting elected but um and also on another uh, end <clears throat> a lot of the issues that have come up during the pandemic um like policing for example um you know George, when uh, around george floyd's murder um by by police uh that is a, a municipal level because those services are given municipally um so and then that was a big issue that came up housing obviously around um you know, uh, earlier on when there was a lot of rent strikes and things like that. So we really, um, housing is obviously making at the municipal level. <laughs> so a lot, a lot of issues that um, bread and butter, butter issues to a certain extent that affect people on a day-to-day are, are municipal. A lot of the services, um, when you walk out your door, uh, walk around your neighborhood, um, what you see, that's, you know, that, that, that's really uh, municipal. And, and, and what, we, what, I, what we say to people all the time is, um, you know, because I think a lot of people at the federal provincial, they're like, oh, well, they pretend to be experts. They pretend to be, you know, or I say that better than everyone else. But, you know, at the municipal level, really, the people who are experts are the people who live in their communities because they live in there every day. And I think it's much more easier um, <clears throat> because it's, it's much, much closer and more, more immediate. Um, and also, there's a bigger possibility at the municipal level to have a more open uh, and, and direct democracy because it's so so close to people and um and and there are like there there are issues obviously with consultation but generally speaking uh consultation around certain things at the local level are much more accessible uh for people i like that idea when you're talking about you didn't use the word but uh representation because often you know in political uh provincial and federal you know we elect the wealthy even on the left, we tend to defer to a certain kind of representation, you know, the so um, the cream of the crop, so to speak, you know, with a totally warped view on what that even is. But so you're kind of suggesting that on the municipal level, there's a better chance of actual representation, right? Like a, a mirror of the ward of the riding um that's very promising. And, you know, you're 100% right when you're talking about all these issues that we often do try to battle provincially and federally. It's, um, they are mostly on the ground municipal issues, budgetary issues, right? Like when we're talking about defunding the police, a lot of that would comes at your your city council motions and, and whatnot. So, it's surprising that we have abandoned or, you know, not dove in until more recently. You know, I, I did, I, I, you talked about working in 2018. I think we started to see a bit of a shift, but this year is something 
um, unprecedented. Uh, I've seen so many, so many friends are running. So many great people that I know, activists are running, at, you know, whether it be for city councilor or school trustee. Are you excited by, you know, the, the crop of candidates that Horizon Ottawa has managed to kind of help out or maybe even generate i see you guys are on twitter actively you know pointing out gaps in the ballots you know there's still seats to fill here and so how's that going or should we be excited about some of these races yeah and it, <clears throat> just uh um before i get into that to a previous point i mean um in terms of the issues at the municipal level the the other thing too is that um a lot of uh um the the issues at the municipal level that are that should be municipal um, are um, are really controlled by the province in Canada because um, because of the constitution. The municipalities are creatures of the province, and um, like we saw, you know, recently, Doug Ford is going to implement these strong mayor powers that will give mayors a lot of a lot of power. In 2018, he just you know slashed Toronto City Hall uh, in half, um, and it, it's quite egregious that that like. So we saw the same thing at the provincial level. If the federal government could just do whatever they wanted to provinces and to legislatures and, and, and change the way people govern themselves, people would be outraged. Um, but um, so that's obviously something that has to change. Uh, but that's only, mostly at the provincial level. So obviously that's important too. And I think we need to talk to more to our progressive um, uh, um, legislatures from the NDP and, 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 and push them more on, on, on trying to give municipalities more independence because there's a lot of things that municipalities can can use like more revenue raising tools. Most of the revenue from uh, tax revenue comes from property taxes. Like rev um, a lot of municipalities in the U.S. have a lot more things that they can do. So we really need to push um, people to, to 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 devolve and decentralize power um, to the local level where 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 it's 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 needed a lot. So I just want to say that for sure. But um, in terms of the the current, yeah, like you know, um, I think there's been some challenges. Um, uh, and I think a lot of us are further. We're we're a bit um, further than where we wanted to be. I think, but but in terms of moving forward, I mean, there's a lot of potential in this election um, to to elect a lot of progressive, especially in Ottawa, where I think like now like 11 or so incumbents are not running again. Um, there's some open seats, and there's a big possibility here. Uh, I mean, the mayor isn't running again, and I think that, like I was saying earlier, the Jim Watson party. I think the fact that he's not running again led a lot of other people to be like, oh, well, it's not going to be a fun time for me at City Hall next time around, so I'm not going to run again. So that's led to a lot of um, opportunity here. Um, and I think also... Definitely. Yeah. I think also to another point, I mean, talking about the NEP, I think, uh, you know, to, to a, a big reason, I think, too, why some of us are involved more municipally is I think um, we have a lot more sway over what happens and, and part of... Um, not a big part, but a, but a significant part of why a lot of a, a lot of us have been involved in municipal politics. A bit has been a bit around disillusionment around the NDP um, and the failure to to win, but also the failure to win with uh, progressive values and the failure to to sort of inspire people. And I think that's led a lot of people, like you said, a lot of people who might have ran for the NDP or might have done whatever to to actually moving and, 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 and trying to win power at the municipal level because some, some of us are like, not that we think it's um, futile to involve with the, to organize with the NDP because a lot of us are still doing that, but I think that that is also a, a good reason why people, uh, some leftists at the, have moved to the municipal level instead because they think there's more, more fruitful endeavor uh, in organizing. Can you talk a little bit more about that sway? You know, how do you incorporate that into Horizon Ottawa's work to make sure members' voices are being heard? Like, why is that successful there? And obviously we're failing perhaps to do that at other levels. Well, I think that um, a good number of us who, and we have, we have over um, 600 members now, um, a lot of who are not nice. just... Yeah, no, it's good. A lot of a lot who are not just uh, NDP members, right? There's also um, some, you know, Green Party folks, some former liberals, etc. Um, <clears throat> I think that's that's you know, <laughs> no, that's I'm what happens. At the, yeah, yeah, that's what happens at the municipal level. Sometimes I think there's some sort of like strange bedfellows uh, where people. Um, I mean, we do all have to work together at some point. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Um, but I think a lot of us who come from the from political parties, especially me coming from the NDP, I think we a lot of us got burnt by 
the um, the party brass, the um, senior staff, and whatnot. Um, of course, respect a lot of those people still, um, but some, you know, and we wanted to make sure that um, our organization was more horizontal, no pun intended, um, and it, that it didn't really reflect the decision-making structures that exist in the NEP. We didn't want to repeat that, that like, to some extent, sometimes toxic, often toxic uh, uh, structures. So we wanted to make sure that that that. Uh, and it has its challenges too, and I think um, you know having like a more horizontal decision-making structures it makes some things more difficult. Uh, I think to a certain extent, some things have to be, you know, hierarchical just to make decision-making easier sometimes. Like we have a board, for example, um, and that's also required by by law to have a board for nonprofit, so we had to do that. But um, yeah, we like I said, we really we really did wanted to make sure that we didn't repeat um, a lot of those structures that exist, and make sure that there was, you know. As, as we want to have a more democratic city, a more decentralized power, we want it to also, um, you know, re uh, repeat those, um, that same uh, structure that we want to implement into our, our own organizations. Yeah, like I just, I sat down with Tim Ellis the other day for an episode and he talked about how important the processes are. I know you guys do touch a lot on different policy items. So you're managing to kind of do both in this space, which is, you know, kudos and... 600 members is nothing to sneeze at at all. I mean, that is very impressive, especially, you know, towards a, a municipal end, right? That's a very kind of defined demographic there in Ottawa. So um, that that really is amazing. Now, do you have a candidate for mayor? I mean, uh, Ottawa is poised to kind of maybe take on some really big issues. We've seen free transit take traction and some other really progressive issues that are, you know, top of mind. Is it hopeful to replace Jim Watson with something better? Yeah, and I mean, we um, <clears throat> we haven't re released our official endorsements yet, um, but we have internally. Oh, okay. We yeah, we have internally endorsed someone for mayor, um, and there is a really progressive candidate running for mayor, is Catherine McKenney. Um, uh, so, I, I mean, I'm not going to say who. I mean, it, you know, it's it's probably obvious to many who who, we, who we're going to endorse. Um, but internally, we've we have made some endorsements, but we're only going to be releasing that because we're planning a bigger press conference, et cetera, later on. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, you know, I think people are. I mean, I think there are some some challenges in their in their campaign, but I think people generally are excited about um, the opportunity to elect someone like Catherine, uh, uh, and it makes a huge difference. I mean, we see what's happening compared to Toronto, and not that I'm knocking down Toronto, um, but, but you know, um, right now there's no... Um, there is uh, another candidate against Gill, or whatever his name is, um, I, I forget the last name, against Tory, but it's not as... A sure thing, and also like obviously Tory is an incumbent mayor, so it's harder to beat him. So with the with Jim Watson stepping down, there's a lot of opportunity there. Um, and uh, obviously there's another candidate, uh, Mark Sutcliffe, who has come forward, who is um, a you know we want low taxes, uh, et cetera, conservative type type person trying to be that. So he's still someone who's gonna. Be significantly. That didn't uh, sound like you were endorsing him at all. So. No, no, no. But he, so he's going to be, you know, tough to beat still probably. But but I think, um, you know, people are excited about Catherine's campaign, and 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 we're going to do what we can to make sure, like you know, the most the most progressives uh, across the city are elected. Um, and I think that's important too. I mean, with the new mayor powers, it it, it sort of changes the race a, a bit. But it's still important to you know we want to still have as many um, progressive local councillors as possible uh, on council um, too. So like the ward race, local ward races still matter and that's really where we're focusing a bit more of our uh, capacity. And with, with other organizations too, like we're working with groups like ACORN in Ottawa and um, Climate Justice Ottawa and other groups across the city to, to try and push forward that, uh, that, that agenda. Let's talk about some of the barriers that exist, you know, when we're talking about municipal politics. So we've hinted towards it at the beginning of the interview. Developers and developer money, money in general, capital, right? That's uh, you talked about Toronto. That's primarily why Tory will be so difficult to be for as long as he wants to keep power. Um, but 
he's not alone. Uh, Acorn released a report that disclosed the amount of donations that city councillors in Toronto were receiving from developers. And as a whole, it was 34%. 34% of all donations that went into those races came from developers. And, I, you know, we assume that they go to the right or, you know, certain councillors. But you take a look at Christian Wong Tam, uh, so-called progressive, took over 20% from developers. So, you know, uh, how do we stop that? So even when we so get progressives in there, you know, we can argue about the merits of that. But like, and they're still taking money from developers. 20% of your campaign, that's a lot more money to raise um, if you refuse that. So what do we do there? So, uh, you know, I, I think... Not the toot our own horn here, but we, we, we've been really um, effective. Yeah. We've been really, I think we've been, our organization has been really effective around on that front. Um, and we, um, you know, we advocate on many, many different issues, but the issue that we launched on was that, was the developer donation issue, the developer influence at City Hall. Um, and really, uh, you know, stemming from one councillor in particular who, who really made this a big issue in the cities uh, at the beginning of Sean Menard. Um, was a progressive counselor. I, I, I worked on his campaign in 2018 with uh, with another friend uh, to to co-manage um, the campaign. Um, that was a big issue for us. And 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 since um, you know Sean is a big supporter of our organization, for example, and other counselors, but uh, <clears throat> he accepted no developer donations on his campaign. And there's actually a, a decent amount of urban counselors who who accept no money from developers um, in 2018, at least. But we've really um, we released a report in in 2020, similar report, um, and have a, a database online of, of you can look up your counselor and see how much uh, money they took from developers, um, and and then the whole the list of of the individual developer and it's quite extensive. Um, <clears throat> so um, and, and since that point in May of 2020 when we launched um, officially, I mean we existed a bit before that in 2019, but um, we have been talking about that issue a lot. Um, we've been um, many votes, uh, you know, we've done the analysis and we also live tweet, um, uh, a bit less now cause the election, but we, 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 we live tweet most city council meetings and live tweet, um, other, um, other meetings uh, like the planning committee, um, uh, and, and make a lot of those points. So that, that has really gotten us a lot of a big following and sort of has allowed us to sort of, um, lead the narrative to an extent on, on, on this conversation. Um, this has obviously been a phenomenon for a long time and has been a long studied thing. Um, if anyone is interested, um, Robert McDermott is a really good, um, a really good, uh, academic who writes about this issue, um, and has a lot of, a lot of good, um, good papers on this discussion, policy papers. Um, but, uh, you know, it's, it's just like through we're pushing it again and again and again for the past four years. Um, and we've gotten, um, even even Mark Sutcliffe, who is the you know low taxes whatever uh, candidate, he has come out and has been like, I won't, I'm not going to accept developer donations on my campaign. Um, will he actually do it? Uh, I don't know, and that's why uh, later on in the campaign we're going to call for also call for candidates to release their um, donations uh, over $100 because those are public. So we're going to ask candidates to release a list of that because we we want to make sure that that's not happening. Um, but yeah, you know, accepting developer donations is a huge issue because um, obviously fundraising is a is is a hard thing to do on a campaign, especially in a smaller campaign. And we know that it's not as much money to fundraise on a municipal campaign, but it's still um, more difficult to you know again when you don't have that party apparatus behind you. Um, so if you get that out of the way, um, it's a lot easier to run a campaign. For example, some councillors like uh, 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 previous councillors here, like Jan Harder, who's a big um, darling of the development industry here in Ottawa, uh, you know, just has um, a big fundraiser with about 20 developers who donate the max, and then you're almost basically done your 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 campaign, right? So um, it's a huge a huge advantage, uh, a huge disadvantage for progressives, a huge advantage for those folks um, who are um, connected to the industry, um, you know. So and and later on, we're also going to release a policy paper during the um, the campaign around different things that we policies that should be put forward 
one mainly that the, the, the contribution limit should be lowered. Um, I mean, it's insane that we have the same contribution maximum limit. Uh, well, now it's different now, I guess. It's $3,300 at the provincial level, which is crazy, absolutely crazy. But it's still insane that just before that, we had a $1,200 max at the provincial level, a $1,200 max at the municipal level when the budgets for spending limits for municipal campaigns are far, far, far less than, I mean, a, 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 a spending limit on a provincial campaign is like 100, and 100 could be 150 grand on a municipal campaign, it could be as small as 20, 25 grand. So you only need a couple of people to donate the max to, uh, to get it. So, so it's, it's a huge issue, a huge disadvantage. And obviously there's the perception at least of, of that they influence decisions that happen at City Hall. Many city councils try to deny that, but it's obviously uh, not the case. They also try to compare it to unions, right? And they try to compare it to community grassroots organizations saying like, well, they also have influence at City Hall. It's like not to the same degree they don't. So, yeah. No, and, and that's what you find, though, when we do go in and do reforms around donations that uh, corporations are treated the same as unions, which, you know, to folks on the left, we un we know why they do that, why they tie those two together. But it's asinine because one is a collective of workers and the other are just, you know, profit mongers. But there are a lot of problems with their... A lot of problems with unions, of course, as, as we know, and with the union leadership, but not the, it's not the same as a corporation. So. Let's touch on labor just for a second. I know I've seen a little bit of um, the Toronto and York Region Labor Board have been gearing up around municipal elections. Have you cooperated with organized labor? Are we doing a collective effort over in Ottawa? So um, we, we have... Throughout our, you know, the past four years, we have, especially during the convoy, we worked a lot with PSAC, for example, here, the PSAC National Capital Region around um, combating the convoy, and, and we have worked together and, and are planning on doing some work together on the um, municipal election. We've reached out to other unions throughout the past four years and have supported other labor actions, like when hotel workers went, excuse me, went on strike here um, during the pandemic. Uh, and... Um, a lot of other um, <clears throat> QP, um, 4600, uh, university academic workers. But, uh, you know, the District Labor Council here in Ottawa is a little bit um, less active, generally, when it comes to politics. Um, so it's, it's, it's unfortunate, and it's been difficult to try to get them uh, on board. Um, we have reached out, we have done outreach and things like that, but... Um, it's a little bit more, it, they're, they're less active than the, the, the Toronto Labour Council and, and, and like the Peel District Labour Council, et cetera. Uh, so that's unfortunate because we obviously think that Labour should be involved and that, you know, there's an co important coalition that exists and, and Labour needs to flex the muscle that they have to organize here. Also, the ATU, too, is another organization that we've worked with, um, the local here, the Transit Union, um, and, um, you know, trying to do more stuff with them. But, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's um, you know, it's obviously easier when you have... Um, labor on your side um, because they have, you know, certain resources that that can help not only our organization but candidates too and and, and, and obviously it would benefit them to have progressive um, progressives elected as, as they as a lot of them are aware of that obviously. So. Yeah, well a lot of uh, municipal workers are unionized, thankfully. I know that there's a battle there always but and to hear how quickly it it, it one can f hit the maximum a little bit of donations would also go a long way, but people power, you know, is obviously pivotal there. So how do you, in times of COVID still, you know, I let people try to pretend that it's over, but let's be realistic. You're going to need to knock on a lot of doors. How do you continue to draw volunteers out in these times? And, um, you know, how are you getting people to to get excited and, and volunteer on these campaigns? So I, I think uh, for most of our existence, we've existed really online. So now we're starting to go door to door. And it's interesting because it's the first time that we've been really doing it and um, and doing it. But like, you know, the response. Well, not from your first time, but Horizon. Not my first time. Yeah, right? yeah I've been door to door many times. <laughs> uh, but Horizon Ottawa's uh, first time and, and, and um, you know, uh, the response has been pretty good. And we've gotten people who are excited to go knock on doors because I think people are really excited at the potential of electing a lot of progressives this time around in Ottawa. People are inspired by the municipal election and the possibilities that exist there because I think that we've, people are burnt out also too. It's like, 
uh, I think that um, maybe a couple months ago, a year ago, people were a little bit more excited, but, but not saying that people are not excited, but it, it is, people are tired, and people are especially tired of, um, you know, like, people sometimes feel like it's futile, uh, especially in these times, and I, and I try to, um, I try to really convince myself um, every day of, you know, let's, let's do this, but it, it, it's hard sometimes, especially in these times, but I, I, I am, I do remain hopeful because, you know, what else do we have, and, you know, and, as, as well as our, our hope and the hope of, of collective community, and I, and I really draw a lot of inspiration from our volunteers, our members, and, and the work that I see other people do um, in, the, in these, like, difficult and trying times, and I really try to make that m motivate me to, to continue this work, because it, it's really easy to, especially in these times, you know, phone it in and, and be like, well, you know, and especially around around public health um, is something that we've we've really been um, pushed a lot throughout the pandemic because our um, because the local chief medical officer of health in, in in Ontario municipalities have so much power to do things that they can actually you know disregard provincial orders, um, but they haven't done anything, so it's easy to 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 feel ignored, etc. But you know we just gotta keep keep pushing and and. Um, you know, be those those motivators because you can be sure that there are a lot of people who are like, what's the point? And we have to be the people to be like, you know what, there is a point and we need to keep pushing and we know things are hard, but, you know, look how much great work other people are doing and we need to support that or, or you know, push people to do similar work in a, in a way that doesn't burn people out because I, I think there's all, obviously that, that aspect. People can only do what they can do and whatnot, but yeah. Yeah, that what's the point mentality also obviously trickles into voter turnout, right? So I was I took a quick look at Ottawa in 2018 and it's you know Ottawa's not terribly unique. It, municipal politics tend to have a much lower voter turnout and you know there's some arguments that quite often campaigns use inaccessible language or uninspiring language. It's often centered on property taxes, which even though you will pay that as a renter, it doesn't register in that same way. What's Horizon Ottawa doing to, you know, there's 60 odd percent of eligible voters that don't think that there's a point. Um, so I guess it's similar into getting volunteers to come out, but perhaps you can talk a little bit how you can do a better job than that, then, you know, our major political parties are failing at and engaging those same folks too. Yeah. And I mean, I think a lot of us in campaigns here have felt a bit of a lull here in the summer. I think it's a lot. And I've definitely re-experienced that. It's difficult. It's more difficult to get people involved in the, in the summertime, especially now when things are a little bit more open, when the restrictions are lower, they shouldn't be, but they are. So people are, are a lot more excited to get out to their cottage or do what, what not. And, um, if they have a cottage to go to, a lot of people obviously don't. I don't. <laughs> a lot of the people whose doors we knock don't, tenants, etc. Um, but, uh, you know, other than that, um, small aspect. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, a lot of it is um, is changing the mentality of, of how we, and this is how we've, you know, worked on different campaigns in the city, changing the mentality of how you approach um, where you go door knock. Uh, I think on a lot of NDP campaigns, not just NDP, other campaigns that I've worked on, where we go to places where people vote, right? Uh, we don't go to places to grow the electorate, um, where people don't vote, but they should and they would vote for us. Um, you know, uh, and, and that, that's where we have to go, because if we don't go there, if we continue to go where people vote, then it, it, it continues to, um, to, 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 to the continuation of this, of this vicious circle. Where, where, oh, well, those people don't vote, but the reason they don't vote is because nobody goes and, 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 and inspires them and gets them to go vote. And I think that's a big misconception that a lot of people get angry at people who didn't vote. Um, and, you know, a lot of people don't vote for multiple reasons. Um, a lot of people don't vote because they don't have the time to care about politics because maybe they're working multiple jobs because they're poor and working class. Um, people maybe just don't feel inspired enough by, by, by the political um, agenda that people are, a platform that people are putting forward. I personally really believe that it's not the job of people to go vote, it's the job of political parties uh, and politicians, council, council candidates, mayoral candidates, to inspire those people enough to go out and vote. And it's really frustrating to me when I hear people talk about, uh, shame people for not voting uh, for whatever reason, because I think 
people have good reasons to not vote. Um, I, I do, but you know, even me, I have my skepticism of electoral politics, and that's why I engage in politics outside of electoral politics. But, but it's frustrating to hear people get, get angry at people who, 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 don't, who don't vote for whatever reason. I think that speaks to also the consultant class we've talked about a lot, where we're so deeply involved, especially like career politicos, there's that they just, it is everything that they do, this numbers game, and they just cannot imagine how anybody outside of that wouldn't engage, right? Because they spend all of their energy in these political spaces. But those political spaces are not inclusive of obviously a huge portion of our electorate. <laughs> like how many, so when you guys go door to door, how, how often do you hear? Cause I know that we operated like this in our writing where we were going places. I'm like, what? Well, we've never polled these people. Well, we need polling information at the very least. So we would go and you're the first politician that's ever knocked on our door. Like, and I've lived here for 24 years and we were we were shocked because we understand the money that's behind other campaigns. So it's not just the NDP. Like, literally, there's like no go zones for more traditional campaigns. So what's it like when you go into neighborhoods that have not been engaged? Like, are those those rewarding conversations? Are you are you generating some hope there, some involvement? Yeah, I think people are very thankful that, I mean, the other day, uh, the other week we went to go knock in the neighborhood um, in the East End and, you know, people were very grateful that we were there. They were, um, we were talking about developer influence. We were obviously weren't going on behalf of a candidate at that time, but, um, and they were in a particular ward where that particular councillor took a lot of money from developers. So, um, you know, people are thankful that we're there and, and, um, Especially on other campaigns, for example, just as a small example, um, on Sean Menard's campaign in, in 2018 in Capital Ward in Ottawa, um, people are often like, well, you shouldn't, you know, students don't vote as much, blah, blah, blah. But we, uh, on Sean's campaign, uh, the final result, we won by 300 votes and um, we knocked doors in the local university there, Carleton University, um, or knocked doors or went out at, on, 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 on the advance poll on election day. And out of the of around 380 votes, 300 students voted for Sean because we were the only people that were there to speak to them, uh, and we won by that many votes. So I mean, it it, it and and the and the it was a very it was I a very love that tight story. Yeah, so it, it it really does matter because there's a lot of a lot of uh, especially at the municipal level, door knocking really matters because there's a lot of time where people oh you shouldn't go there those people don't vote but you know if you go there you know. They they might <laughs> so. And I, there's going to be so many people who have worked on elections who can relate to this because it doesn't matter what campaign I've worked on. You know, you're cautioned into not going into bad neighborhoods, and I you know obviously that term carries so much um, classism, racism in it. But generally, the, the neighborhoods that you were most warned against going into generated the best results, not just like number wise, which you gave a great example as to, you know, some some place that had normally been dismissed ended up being the turning point of a, an entire campaign. Right. But the conversations that you end up having, they're, they're often eye opening Um especially if you've not been exposed to various levels of poverty and whatnot. So that's, uh, it's so encouraging to see not just one campaign doing it, but, you know, um, Horizon Ottawa kind of spreading that different way of, of door knocking because it's been incredibly successful in s south of us as well, where, you know, Democrats, Democrats and, and whatnot, the squad rely on that blanket, like knock on every door, have real conversations. Don't just get a number when you're there, right? Are you a one, a two, a three, and a four? Like, are you a supporter or not? Bye. Um, that's that's candidate school 101 for all parties at the moment. So, and I I believe you're right. I believe that's where we're losing people. And it, it's it's just um, you know, it, it's it's interesting to think of it now, but but you know when we when we door knock right, like, and that's a good point where you bring up because we we try to have do persuasive canvassing, have have conversations with people, and don't just talk at them and then be like, this is our platform, or are you going to vote for us? Bye. 
um, we actually do things and we ask people at the end of the conversation, before we go into the voting ask, we talk to them about a policy and then we say, what do you think about that? And, and, and then they're actually engaged in conversation. Like, oh, you're asking me what I think about it? And it, it's funny to think about it now, but that ask is, to some, innovative because it's never been really done before, right? And like, you're like, oh, what do you think about that? You're asking me what you think about that? So it's, it's uh, and something taken obviously from, from the Bernie Sanders campaign, really. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it's, uh, you know, we actually treat, treating voters as though they're, you know, uh, beings who, who are more than just a number thinking, talking, uh, actually care about, about politics. And we're not, you know, we, we shouldn't be telling people what to think. We should be ask, asking them what they think about about different policies. So. Like, imagine the money you guys save actually listening to voters is rather than paying somebody to bring 20 of them into a room and ask them very structured questions and then basing your entire policy around it. Like, it's just such a novel idea. Like, it, that is democracy at its roots, right? So um, the fact that we sit here and be like, oh, what a novel idea. Because um, a lot of people are going to hear that and go, yeah, that's definitely not how I've been taught to canvas. So... Uh, let that be a lesson for folks. Um, you don't and we don't win all the time. The... We, we don't win all the time, obviously. Um, but but it is it is a way to. I think campaigning differently is important and um, change the way we campaign. And obviously, it's obviously important too to go to those neighborhoods where people vote as well, and we do that as well. But but it's also important to 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 mix up the strategy and go to, you know, community housing buildings, etc. Well, I'll challenge you there, though, Sam, because winning like. You know, especially on the left, you have to break away from the like black and white, we won, we lost. Because if there's growth and you've introduced conversations where there hadn't been any and ideas where there had not been, you know, solutions before, that is winning, right? That is part of this larger battle. So that's, right, that's, that's what I meant. That's what I meant. Uh, that's sort of what I meant uh, <laughs> by saying that, like, we don't always win, but it's, you know, like, like I think a lot of people, um, when you bring up, uh, like, you know, Bernie Sanders, and you talk about how that campaign was successful, and people are like, well, Bernie didn't win. Well, it's like, okay, well, he didn't win, per se, but he inspired a lot of a lot of people and changed the way that people campaign across the country and opened the Overton window on things like free tuition um, and other stuff. So, so you know, in some respects, it's a, it's a victory um, in, in, the, in the way that people do things now. I mean, you'll, you'll see a lot of uh, former high up NDP staffers be like, well, you know, Bernie didn't win and things like that. What's like, well, you know, change, change the way that we do things. Uh, so that's a, makes a big difference. So I do agree with you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I just uh, don't want folks to be discouraged because we do run a lot of, you know, quote unquote, losing elections, but the, the battle is long. And so, yeah, just how does Horizon Ottawa, how are they going to look post-October, how are they going to measure their success? You know, what what is, you know, your ideal outcome? What will you settle for? What's your worst case scenario? Well, I think uh, the ideal outcome is to have a progressive majority on council. <clears throat> and obviously that, that doesn't always... What's that number? Uh, so there's 24 councillors and so 13 would be the majority and hopefully have more. Um, and that doesn't just mean, you know, getting everyone who we want elected. There's also counselors who like are not great, but if they're there, it's not the end of the world because I think with a better council, they can vote in a, a different way, right? Because under Jim Watson, we've seen a lot of counselors not actually have agency. Um, and that's their fault too, right? For just like going along with whatever he's saying and not actually like, you know, because I think being a politician is what you want, what you make of it. You can either be someone who sits in the chair and does whatever you're told for four years and be lazy, or you can actually organize. Um, but um, it's called courage. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but um, uh, you know, uh, there's also the measure in, in terms of um, actually uh, the opposite. And we're seeing this, I think, for the first time in a long time that the actual opposition against the status quo in the city is coming from the left or the center left. And not the right, um, and we saw that in the by-election in 2020 when we helped out a candidate there. Um, and there's a there's a there's a by-election in 2020 here and in 2019, but in, in 2019 and 2020 we actually put forward significant challenges from the left through Horizon Ottawa. Um, so you know that's also important, and <clears throat> I think a lot of people are seeing this election in 2022 for Ottawa 
and it might be different in the Toronto context and different cities as the change election. And it's true, there's a lot of council stepping down and there's a lot of um, opportunity here. But like, you know, as you said, it's, it's a longer fight. Um, and I think a lot of people, it's, including myself, um, have put a lot of effort into this election and are sort of short-sighted in that way. Um, and thinking in ways of just about electoral politics is also obviously short-sighted too. Um, but I mean, it, it's, it's, for me too, it's often hard to, to think in a longer term way because you're like, well, the planet's burning, uh, 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 people, uh, the um, IPCC report, I said we only have X number of years to, to change things. And now at this point, we're just mitigating things. So it's, it's, it's hard sometimes to be like, well, if we don't do it now, when are we going to do it? Because we don't have time to do it later on. But but, you know, um, so having an immediate measure of success is, is what a lot of people look at. But I also think that, you know, we've also changed the conversation when it comes to developer influence in this city. We've changed the conversation when it's come to donations. The fact that we've gotten multiple candidates, major candidates here to say that they're not going to accept developer donations. It's one of the biggest issues in this election. Yeah, I love how you've made it taboo. Like, that's, you know, it may not be on the books as a rule that you can't take from developers because, you know, that would obviously probably limit funds from elsewhere that we could use. But you've, you've essentially made it, a, yeah, taboo and, and something that that is going to be part of their campaign messaging. Exactly. So I think there so are there are those me- that's metrics. That's already an accomplishment. Yeah, yeah. And so I think there are those metrics of success that are like you can measure um, based on numbers, but there's also metrics of success that you can measure based off um, you know, narrative and how you've changed the conversation. I think that's and that's something that's really important. I know you talked about, you know, you've putting a lot of energy into the election and a lot of hope. And I think just election cycles do that, you know, with that give you that extra sense of urgency, right? Because there's a set deadline and very tangible results that could be achieved. So I totally get that. But that's definitely not all Horizon Ottawa does, right? These elections are usually far between, say, for a by-election. You you folks did a lot of organizing around the convoy. Um, so you're not putting all your eggs in the electoral basket. You are combating the far right in other ways. Can you share a little bit about that? Yeah, and I think this speaks also to <clears throat> that sort of connection with electoral politics and the connection with what what being a politician is too, right? Because I think it's important, like, you, yes, you, you need to get reelected, et cetera, but uh, you need to use your influence to, uh, to advocate for different things that aren't just about electoral politics. Um, and that's sort of what we were also pushing city councillors to do too. <clears throat> and I mean, when the convoy happened and it's still happening things like that i mean there is a there are a far-right group that has set up shop and a purchased a church in the city um to have a permanent base of operation so it, it's very scary and we're trying to do all we can to defeat that so it's hard to think about the election when that's happening at the same time because i think that we it, you can't to a lot of respects i think you can't fight always fight fascist or the far right at the ballot box because they don't care about elections. We've seen this in the U.S. too, right? They will say that election was rigged or, um, you know, they'll take um, power through means of violence. And we've seen this too with, uh, you know, obviously throughout history <laughs> with, with the Nazis or whoever, right? So they, they don't care about elections. So so I, we, we have to have different tactics that aren't just about electoral politics. But I obviously think that we should have used both um, because Obviously, the far right gains power through through elections too, so we can't ignore that either. And I think it's foolish. I know a lot of people um, talk about just ignoring electoral politics because they think it's it's a, a waste of energy. And, and I can, you know, I can see what where they're going there. But I think it's foolish to ignore um, both realms. I think it's foolish for people involved in electoral politics to ignore the external outside of electoral politics. And I think it's foolish on the other on the other way around too, because we need to think of how do we gain power and at least for us, I think like the best, the for now, the, the most convenient way to gain power is at the municipal level for the left and on an electoral basis because that's the most democratic, directly democratic, um, and local, um, local, local, uh, local election. Municipal municipalism really is is sort of something that I that I've adhered to in the past two years and have learned about and things like that. And that's sort of what Verizon Ottawa stems out of. Um, but that also extends to outside of electoral politics, like I said, and, and that, and through that work as you, and I'm sort of getting away from the, the initial question, but through that work, um, and, 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 and getting involved with 
groups who don't normally in, are, are movement-based groups, we've also gotten support of those groups and some of those folks who never have been involved in elections before or never wanted to be involved in elections who are actually being like, you know what, there are this group and these counselors who support our movement, so we're going to, in, in turn, um, support them as well. Um, so, and I mean, that's important. I, I think it's important to bring up, you know, Sarah Jama as somebody who is running now in, in Andrew Horvath's seat in Hamilton Center as someone who, who really embodies that, um, bridging that gap between electoral politics and movement-based politics. A lot of people who, who don't like electoral politics will support her campaign because she embodies that, that sort of, those sort of principles of, of um, <clears throat> bringing movements into into those spaces and because those people know how to organize. I mean, and I think that's something that a lot of senior staff, at, at, they, they ignore movement-based people because they're like, they're activists, blah, 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 but those folks know how to organize, so we need to bring them in and, and make sure that, and they have a lot of energy, and make sure that they, that they get involved, so. Well, yeah, when we talk about the urgency of things that need to get done and the amount of people that have disengaged, right? And, you know, Tim said the other day, you know, if we want to change everything, we need everybody. So uh, finding folks that know how to bring people together and, yeah, not just like fighters, right? Folks that you can kind of will charge the way um, and that allows other people to be braver. And I think that goes back to your point, too, on, you know, having a majority in numbers in council is great, but sometimes just a really good mayor or leader can help create the space where folks can make better decisions, you know, um, or surrounded by just a few more comrades that, you know, have bold ideas that get people excited. Um, I really love the way that Horizon Ottawa seems to be redefining what a politician is because that has such an ugly word to it um or connotation to it you know most people even when I ran as a candidate I did not like being referred to as a politician it just you know that most people's vision of that but if instead you know folks were shown standing side by side like quite literally against fascists in their streets i mean that starts to reshape what you then can start to demand of other politicians at provincial and federal levels right where we've not seen you know we're very upset that pierre is standing alongside the convoy but at the same time we demand we're you know, we're demanding that our leaders do the same just for better values right so it's not that you know, I think to a, to a degree, we're seeing how effective that is on the right when the politicians do take even horrid stances, but they're... There's the anti-establishment angle know. there that, that's, that's important, I think, and that, <clears throat> but I, you know, as, as say, you know, a lot, a lot of more activists need to be politicians, a lot more politicians need to be activists. Um, I mean... Uh, Are you running? <laughs> no, I'm not, not this time at least, but on the poly F front, I mean, obviously there's something to say about those quote-unquote movements that, you know, they represent the rich and the powerful, really, and, and, and people who are taking advantage of working-class people, right? And, um, uh, but, uh, but I, I know, I, I, see, I see your point, for sure. Um, but, um, but uh, yeah, no, definitely. I mean, there needs to be more um, city count. Like, your job is not just being a legislator, someone who sits there and, and is sort of a technocrat at City Hall. I, th I think that's what a city councilor to an extent has become and we see this a lot at, at city council meetings like it's the first time I because I used to work at City Hall the first time I really experienced like certain council meetings it's, it's really jarring to see how much council relies on like <clears throat> staff's decisions and like staff you know whatever nonpartisan mostly not really in, in Ottawa where they really, um, were sort of beholden to the mayor but um, you know, you, you're, you're a counselor, you're fighting for something, you're, you want your motion to be passed, the mayor says, goes to staff and says, what does staff think about this? And like, we don't support it, and then and all council votes against it. It's quite jarring, honestly, and, and um, you know, we need um, politicians to be, and especially at the city level, <clears throat> because there's that level of accessibility that doesn't really exist at the federal and provincial level, to be those champions for their communities, but also champions for uh, people across the city. And I think that's what's really lacking, too, from municipal politicians is that vision for um, the entire city. Um, and 
people often come down, counselors often come down on other counselors for being like, well, you need to focus on your award, you need to focus on this, you need to focus on that. But, um, you know, but like, there, I don't think there's anything wrong with um, a politician having a, sta- a city councilor having a stance on something like, like Palestinian human rights, for example. They, politicians need to use their influence, all the influence that they have, to push for progressive issues at whatever level exists. I mean, we have saw this when Bernie Sanders was mayor of Vermont. I mean, he went uh, on, on trips, for example, internationally to different cities all the time to see what kind of stuff they were doing. We need more of that solidarity um, uh, you know, between cities, uh, between progressives around, around the world. Um, and, and, and getting people elected at the local level is, is, is part of that. And there's just a level of influence. What happens in Ottawa is not contained in Ottawa, right? So watching folks stand up against the convoy has an effect on other people to do the same. Um, and the reverse is also true, right? Bad policies also then are carried on from city to city. I know here in Toronto, um, if Toronto does it, York Region will do it. But York Region will never do it until Toronto does it. And Toronto usually needs Vancouver or somebody else to do it first and prove that it'll work. And um, it's it's important, even if you had one really progressive city that could you know, be an example for other municipalities, the same way we use union negotiations to say that they will influence non-unionized workers by raising the bar. So I hope you folks are successful in Ottawa in raising that bar and kind of engaging, yeah, engaging folks that haven't been engaged. But um, I think it's also a good example to replicate in other cities. I know Progress Toronto does some similar work and it's, it's really encouraging to see a lot of grassroots work on these municipal elections. Uh, I don't, Toronto is not, shaping up all that excitingly, but I am still excited for the first time in a long time about municipal elections. And I think that has a lot to do with seeing folks like you doing so much work behind the scenes and just how much um, it's providing a new example of, of ways to do things. So it has incredible potential, Sam. Um, is there anything I didn't ask you that you know you would like to talk about? No, no, that that no, that's good. I, I think it also speaks to um, just briefly, like the the way that the pandemic has sort of shifted the way that people think about about where power comes from and politics. And I mean, and we see people <clears throat> because of the pandemics, because of the pandemic. Um, hopefully, not not multiple, but the pandemic. They've um, they've been really local. They've been sitting and working from home, so they're in their own community more often, they've experienced their local community a lot more, so that has led them sort of to, 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 to think more on a local level, I think, too, and that has really changed the importance, I think, that people place on municipal politics in their life, because, you know, they walk out on the street, they see a thing that, that, that bothers them, and, uh, for example, so they, I, I think the pandemic has really pushed um, a lot of people to, to think about municipal politics in a, in a different way, and, and where, where we can really, um, change things and and and, um, and and gain power and whatnot so I'm here for that I that I hope that that rings true in the results in October and I hope I yeah you guys are successful in however you decide to measure that you know but thank you so much Sam for taking the time to come in and talk about this I hope this you know helps other municipal campaigns perhaps you can just kind of join Horizon Ottawa's little network there and glean some knowledge off of them, even if you're outside of the city. And um, yeah, really good luck to anybody who's put their name forward. It's incredibly brave and uh, a special thanks to the folks that are supporting them. Thank you again, Sam. Thanks for having me on. With organizations like Horizons Ottawa helping to equalize the playing field even more, Municipal elections are becoming a winnable battleground for an often overlooked place of influence, right? Transit and police budgets could be transformative for communities. So to the friends of Blueprints that are running, we see you. Um, I encourage you and I thank you so much for doing what you're doing. Jay Woodruff is running for in Clarence, Rockland. Akua Freepong is running for school trustee in Whitby. Emma Cunningham, school trustee in Pickering. And Christine Wickner is running for council in British Columbia. I know, I hope I am missing some of you, and there are many more 
great folks looking to cause good trouble in while they're running for the upcoming municipal races. So again, good luck and thank you for putting yourself out there. That's not easy. And thank you to Horizon Ottawa and Sam Hirsch for sharing their time. Like in all things that we do, there is a team behind Blueprints of Disruption. I want to give a big thank you to our producers, Santiago, Hello Quintero, and Jay Woodruff. Our show is also made possible by the support of our listeners. So if you appreciate our content and would like to become a patron, please visit us at www.patreon.com backslash BP of disruption. So if you know of any work that should be amplified or want to provide feedback of our show, please reach out to us on Twitter at BP of disruption. Blueprints of disruption is a project of New Left Media, an independent employee-owned company.